We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye. With me as always, Jack Manuel. And Jack, we're talking about a Nets win over the Grizzlies, 127-115. How are we doing? Nick Faye, you should have named your son Utah. <laughs> I don't know about that, but uh, Utah really came to play today. Really nice Nets win, taking care of business. We're going to jump with that and plenty more. Make sure you check out the Buzz on all streaming platforms. But Jack, I think I know where you want to start. I want to start with you to what's an Ave, Nick. I want to start. I want to end. I want to do the middle. I want every single part of this podcast to be you to what's an Ave. On solo pods, I've advocated for us maybe get some yep. permission from Blue Wire to change the name of our podcast to maybe the the Uta, the shooter pod. But we'll see how we go with that. But this man, Nick, twenty five minutes, six and nine from the field, four or six from three, three boards, three assists, sixteen points. And he backed it up after a pretty bloody awesome game against the Portland Trailblazers yeah. as well. I mean, you should provide some of your Utah Watanabe thoughts to this podcast. Bring them and share them, my friend. Well, I think if we just look back to when we kind of diagnosed what his game would be like and his fit with the Nets over the summer, and the question was really, could Utah knock down threes? You know, could he contribute that way offensively? Because if he could, he's a great role player in other aspects, defensively hustle, finding different areas and versatility. So the fact that he's shooting at the best in the league, you know, I don't think we anticipate this to continue all year long. Yes, we do. <laughs> it looks like he'll at the very least a career year from three. And he's mentioned a million times he's getting wide open looks. You know, he's the guy that's getting, you know, the wide open look on the extra pass. They're going to leave, you know, him open when it's, you know, Kyrie, KD, Seth Curry and Joe Harris. You know, Watanabe is going to be the guy that gets the shot and he's capitalizing. And these are a lot of shots that Royce O'Neal's kind of got early on throughout the season. And he's had his hot and cold days. It feels like Utah's really not had any cold days from three. No, he is nothing but hot. He is flames. <laughs> he is, you know, marshmallows roasting on an open fire. He is just absolutely lethal. And beyond just the absolute three-point marksmanship of Stephen Curry, Clay Thompson levels, the man cuts like a goddamn yeah. madman. Like, he has just really good basketball instincts. And I, and I think that that's 
you know, I said on a, I think I, I jumped on a spaces earlier today, and I was sort of saying that he just plays basketball well. Yep. And when you sort of look to what previous fans or previous organizations and teams thought of him, you know, Raptors fans, we spoke about it on the preview pod, were, were sad to see him go. They were a yep. really big fan of him and wanted to see him be, be given a, a bigger opportunity. And look, the three ball is just absolutely out of sight. But beyond that, he's doing every other thing really well. He's defending well. He's running in transition. He's just like he's always him. running in transition. I mean, if always. there's a transition play, it feels like he's always leaking out and getting ahead. And a lot of it's just hustle. He's not the fastest guy on the court. He's a good athlete, but he's not an elite athlete. And it's just hard work he's putting out there. Yeah, and from like you know, they always say you know, hard work beats talent. You yep. know, he's got the talent, and now he and he's working hard at the same time. It seems to me, I think the reason why people love him so much, you sort of spoke to me, and I'm going to just steal your word, <laughs> humility. He's got yeah. humble humbleness for days. Like He's the most humble guy, and look, most humble is sort of an oxymoron, <laughs> but in, in, in saying that, you just see how much like he wants to be there for the team. You know, he wants to impact the team. He loves the fact that his teammates are trusting him. You know, when you got Kevin Durant getting out of his seat like every single time yep. he hits a three ball, imagine seeing that. One of the 15 best players of all time to get hype as hell after every shot that you hit. That's got to just fill you with like all the goodness. And you know, he's feeling all Nets fans with all the goodness as well. It's, I love it, man. I'll just the love that I have for him is infinite. Yeah, and he got a chant from the Brooklyn Brigade tonight. Obviously, a standing ovation when he left in the fourth quarter where he knocked down clutch shots. Another play I really loved from him was the drive and then the drop-off pass to Kyrie Irving on the cut. Like you mentioned, just plays basketball. You know, doesn't kind of overthink the game, and he plays within himself. He's a a perfect complementary piece. And like you said, having the confidence of Kevin Durant has really helped him, I think, in taking that next level. And you also mentioned him being with the Raptors. It's like a blessing when you get someone from the Raptors. It just feels like they're coached really well, and now they're coming here, and he's kind of just taking that next step with Brooklyn. I think Jacques Vaughn is coaching him really yeah. well. I think he's utilizing him very well. I think he just does a lot of he's trusting him. And you know, when you get that trust from trust builds confidence, you know, internally. And we'll speak about confidence when it comes to Ben Simmons very, very soon. It feels odd to not be opening the podcast with Ben Simmons after his first twenty point game in a very, very long time. But both of these guys, you know, Utah has just this infectiousness and just this ability to just draw people in you know he's just he he's throwing the ice in the veins like yeah. he's d'angelo russell d'lo is gone that era is gone ladies and gentlemen the utah high the utah era is alive in bk yeah and again a great you know value signing too this is a guy that's on a non-guaranteed contract veteran minimum and he's really turned out well now you're already thinking about how can the nets retain him moving forward with how well he's really played yeah, we got to trade Joe Harris. we got to just make <laughs> sure we give him the max. Open up that third max spot. Maybe Kyrie Irving goes off after all the BS he's been given. But in all honesty, let's enjoy the experience for, for, for Yuta Watanabe in Brooklyn right now. And he's going to... We were sort of... Again, I just... Heart back to what we were trying to forecast what he could be. Yep. And we were like, at his best, he could be a fringe rotation playoff player. He's going to lock himself into the... Yeah. He's already locked himself into the rotation. You know, the combination he has with... You know, he's already got a little bit like, as you alluded to, the, the synergy with Kyrie. And I think 
a lot of that is with Ben Simmons as well. These guys are making their imprint on the style of the team. They're mm. running hard, they're cutting, and that sort of sets the example. When the role players are doing it, you've got to do it as a superstar. You have to follow along, and it's sort of breeding this team cohesion and chemistry. You know, again, against an inferior Memphis Grizzlies team, but the Nets haven't beat the Grizzlies since, and maybe we started this podcast, so yeah. a win is a win against them. But you just love to see the, the way that the team is growing within that. And talking about style, Jack, there's one play that sticks out is, you know, Kyrie and Katie were on the floor. Ben Simmons brings the ball up, hits Royce O'Neal, I think, on a dribble handoff. He cut, he drives to the rim and then just drops it off for Utah for an easy dunk. It's just like the style of basketball, constant movement. And it's crazy. You mentioned we didn't mention Ben Simmons yet or Kyrie returning to the court. So which way do you want to go? We'll go with Ben. I want to go with Ben because I think Ben deserves you know a lot of time. And, you know, the apologies and such, you know, with I think... I, look, I'll happily eat my words if I've said anything about, you know, the patience or my lack of patience around Ben Simmons. But this was an incredible game from Ben tonight. Yeah. 11 of 13 from the field, starting at the five as well. Plus 19, led the team in that department. 22 points, eight rebounds, five assists, a steal. You know, did the five turnovers, but I think some of that was you know, him trying to push the pace and uh, yep. a few little things here and there. But ultimately, and 35 minutes as well, the confidence that he has right now, you know, he's bumping bodies with Steven Adams and finishing for AM on opportunities. He's pushing the pace and finishing, you know, ambidextrous, lefty, righty. We got all of that tonight. It was, uh, this is the Ben Simmons that is an all-NBA caliber player. Played pretty quality defense as well. You know, I think some people had their reservations about what's going to happen here You know, with Ben Simmons starting at the five when we're going up against you know, Stephen Adams. Overall, the Nets actually won the rebounding battle, 45-44, to 44, and offensive rebounds, they got absolutely destroyed, but they ended possessions. And I think a lot of credit should go to Ben for that because he led the team in rebounding. Yeah, I think, you know, you look at a matchup like this against Stephen Adams and like he's going to obviously lose in the strength department in some areas, and that's kind of... What's going to happen? But you have advantages in other areas, and you saw that with Ben Simmons pushing the pace and attacking the rim. And if you're going to attack against Steven Adams, one of the strongest players, if not the strongest player in the NBA, it gives you confidence moving forward against other centers. And we saw an array of different scoring, you know, variances from Ben Simmons. You know, we saw the dunk. We saw the layup through through contact. We saw the reverse layup. We saw the floater shot. We saw the post-up shot. He just looked very comfortable, and it looked probably one of his most natural games playing in a Brooklyn... His most natural game playing in a Brooklyn Nets uniform. So, really happy for that. And then it was cool to see is like, yeah, Ben started at the five, and you had to deal with Steven Adams. And then when it got to like the fourth quarter, and Adams wasn't in, they put him on like Tyus Jones, and he was picking him up full court. So, it just kind of showcases his versatility and I think even still there's multiple levels for him to hit from an athletic standpoint you know there's a couple plays that were layups in in a couple months they might be dunks yeah let the apologies be as loud as the criticism you know and I think that he's so easy to draw the hate towards him because of you know some of the things that he does say or doesn't say but ever since he spoke you know to the reporters in response to the athletic article about the frustrations around Ben Simmons internally from the organization wherever that was coming from he responded big time Sacramento yep. Portland and now this game he's building he's gotten better each game and it's leading up to a pretty tasty matchup against his former team you know in the Philadelphia 76ers obviously they'll be without Harden and Maxi but it goes Again, but up against his old teammate in Joel Embiid, the organization. It's going to be relentless for him, but he is now in the form of his life. You know, this is where you want to be. You don't want to be catching up to it and heading into an environment where it's 
Got to be toxic with a capital T in Philadelphia yep. land. But in saying that, he's got the support of his teammates. And I think the number one thing, you know, you you and I go back and forth on Twitter quite a bit about stuff. It's about Ben Simmons' mentality. And yep. it encompasses so many things. But the, the little things that we sort of saw tonight and, and we were sort of talking about is, you know, he's not when he's, he's his dribble looks solid and he's not picking up his dribble so he can easily be defended and taken out of a possession. He's pushing the pace and really attacking the paint. He's looking to hit his shots and he's hitting them in rhythm. You know, they're not being forced. You know, he sees an opening around that free throw sort of line. Give him that little dinker. Give him that little floater around that sort of range. And he just looks so solid. He wants the ball in his hands. He gets angry when he gets called for certain fouls. You know, there was a, a sense of timidness and finding his footing to start the season. And 15 to 20 games is, is 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 almost like a surprise. We're seeing this version of Ben so quickly. And I know people might still have their reservations. And he might have a bad game against the Philadelphia 76ers. But for me, you can just see how he feels by just the way he's moving and just the little intangible things that are almost hard to explain unless you watch the game. You watch Ben Simmons play tonight, you know that that's Ben Simmons. Yeah, he looks just more fluid. You know, it almost felt like when he was playing before, he was like driving with the emergency brakes still on. Like he was scared to kind of unlock fully and go, you know, full sprint, full jump and make contact. So really good strides for him. And it, it's almost a drastic increase from the level we saw him, you know, pre previous to this stretch and how he's just attacking and just playing at a different level. Even defensively, the tenacity is there. You know, there are at times, obviously, a couple dumb fouls here and there, but you can live with it when he really tries to, be a presence on that side of the floor. Yeah, and I think that he's some of them are a little bit ticky-tacky, and I mean, the Nets aren't getting great whistle these days, uh, especially on the defensive end and the offensive end. Uh, for that, We'll get to that probably with the Kevin Durant a little bit later. But yeah, Ben Simmons is, is really finding his footing, and we spoke about team identity and such. He was the best player tonight. Like, Kevin Durant was... Good, but he was a bit inconsistent. Kyrie Irving, obviously, his first game back. You know, Yuta Watanabe, we opened the podcast because, you know, I'm a Yuta Watanabe stan. But we should have opened it with Ben Simmons. And I'll have an apology for Ben there. As a fellow Aussie, mate, I should have had your back, son. We're not going to open it with Patty or Kyrie or other fellow Aussies here. Next time you play an awesome game, I'll implore Nick. And that's on me. I'll take the responsibility there. We're opening up with you, Ben 10, next time, mate. That's on me, bud. And I think with Ben, just looking big picture, you see more of these games in a row now it's you start looking at the ceiling of the Nets. We've talked about this a lot. The best version of the Nets always included the best version of Ben Simmons. And it looks like that could be a possibility this season where it didn't look that way not too long ago. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. No, and that's and that's a full credit to him. You know, yep. I've got to give a massive amount of credit to, to Ben Simmons and the confidence and in, in himself, you know, to just go, all right, look, I'm just going to do my thing. I know what I am. You know, I don't like all the, the certain things around basketball that go beyond it, the, the narratives, all that sort of BS. But I'm going to go out there and play. I'm going to go out there and have fun. And it looks, and he said that, like he said that he enjoys playing basketball. It's always much better when you're playing the, the way that he is. And in terms of the box score, 35 minutes, I, I alluded to it already, but I needed to give it again. 11 of 13 from the field, seven rebounds, uh, sorry, eight rebounds, seven of them are defensive, one offensive, five assists, a steal, five turnovers, plus 19 on the night, did have three fouls. You know, all of those were a little bit ticky-tacky, some of them. But I think as well is, it's interesting to see how so many parts of the, his game feed into the other. Like his passing game is unlocked by his offensive aggression and getting to the rim. And then that sort of unlocks his defense a little bit because he has the confidence there. You know, he's, he's able to rebound the basketball and box out and such. So a, a lot of people, and I think we still might have our reservations because if hopefully Clax is back, who is out for, for personal reasons, apparently family matters, is back against the Philadelphia 76ers because Ben Simmons against Joel Embiid is not a matchup I would look forward to and want to put my money on Ben Simmons having an equally good night. But against a guy as big and strong as Steven Adams, and you're basically as dominant, you know, he was a, a big reason why they were able to maintain some form of ascendancy. But Ben used all of his strengths to his and his talents to his uh, advantages, and that made a big impact on the game for the Nets. Yeah, for sure. I think like you have to look in the matchup and say, hey, I'm quicker than this guy. I might not be stronger. I got to find ways to have an impact there. And he did that tonight. I guess moving on, obviously, Kyrie Irving back with the Nets issued an apology with SNY uh, with an Ian Bagley interview also addressed the media yesterday morning, too. I think uh, Kyrie did a great job in terms of the apology and doing the interview. It seemed very genuine and really hit on a lot of points that I think the Nets wanted to hit on the NBA and obviously the people that were hurt by the post. So uh, real progress, I think, on Kyrie Irving. Jack, what did you you think of uh, the apology from Kyrie? Yeah, I think accountability is a, a word we've used a lot on this podcast, and Kyrie Irving showed a level of that. And people yep. will still have their reservations about it, and there will be people beyond Kyrie Irving, like organizations outside of the Barclays Center tonight that were, and you know, Jalen Brown tweeting, you know, his sort of thing, but. You know, the, the Nets made the, the realignment and go, and Jacques Vaughn was like, okay, let's make it about basketball now. There might still be things that pertain to Kyrie Irving going forward that are going to be beyond basketball. He'll probably still get asked the, the, the same thing, you know, despite asking the same questions you know, <laughs> by Nick Friedle and probably a few other reporters that we don't have respect for and he doesn't have respect for. But you know, the, the whole interview showed you know, Kyrie Irving's uh, ability to, to look in the mirror and go, hey, I was kind of wrong here. You know, I got a bit defensive, you know, and then initial press conference where it was a really depressing solo pod that I had to do. Uh, Kyrie Irving, you know, not really taking and saying, you know, I'm not an anti-Semite. I'm not, I don't have any hate in my heart. He was, he felt attacked and you know, we all have our moments and such. Kyrie Irving seems to have a few more than others, which is a, a little bit frustrating. But in terms of the on-court product, you know, there was, those little highlights where it was the almost with Kyrie, yep. where if he had it like, you know, he almost like crossed over and, you know, finishing around the rim where if he had the the rhythm and he had been, you know, with the team and he hadn't have done all the dumb shit that he's done, then he would have hit a couple of those. But in terms of just having him back, it's going to mean 
that the Nets just look so much better. Like, yeah. the whole narrative of Kyrie Irving is going to make the Nets worse, the Nets have this record without Kyrie Irving, is just bullshit, Nick. You know, for lack of a better term, it really is. And we can talk about all the ex- external stuff, but Kyrie Irving also did, you know, some pretty awesome things, you know, uh, in between all of the stuff. You know, he made some massive donations. Um, let me try and find them. I'll, I'll While you have a chat about Kyrie Irving, I need to find specifically who he donated to. But he made some, again... It's just the sort of thing, it's the the odd dichotomy of, of Kyrie Andrew Irving, you know, K-A-I, you know, he, he does so much good and can just, you know, have it taken away with some misdeeds and, and decisions that are, are, are almost perplexing. So, look, he donated to the families of a Virginia University player and Shanquella Robinson. You know, he donated $50,000 to the family of Virginia University player Devin Chandler after his tragic death last week. And then he also donated, let me find it, $50,000 to um, the, the person I alluded to earlier, sorry, um, Shanquella Robinson. So he, he, he just does these things behind the scenes that aren't going to get a lot of credit. And I think that it's worth acknowledging both. And I think as people who follow the Nets very, very closely, it's our job to do that. Yes, we have our personal opinion and subjective bias about some of the co- things Kyrie Irving does do. But to donate like over $100,000 to two families that are in need of some level of support shows the character of who he is. I don't think he's a mean-spirited dude. He's just a little bit clueless at times and a bit of a... A bit of a dickhead, like just to, just to put it bluntly. But when he's out there on the court, he's a fan favorite. The crowd loves him. And now that we can focus on the hoops, at least for some form of a period of time, uh, the Nets could be on to uh, hopefully some bigger and better things with Kyrie Irving back. Yeah, Jack, like you said, I think it's always important if you're going to talk about the bad to talk about the good. And we always try to have that level of balance. But getting to him on the court, I think like you mentioned, you know, Rusty, think his conditioning was probably not in the best of shape you know obviously he's missed so much time he hasn't played since november 1st we don't he obviously wasn't allowed at the facility either so we don't know how much work he was really getting in and i think as he gets better conditioned hopefully you start to see that off ball movement and involvement at times in the offense a little bit more it seemed like there was just possessions where he was gassed where you know maybe it would have been better to run a dribble handoff with him and ben rather than seth curry and ben so i think that's something we'll kind of look at and i think as the game kind of progressed you saw him fit a little bit better we alluded to that cut in utah kind of hitting him on that and for an easy layup those are going to be there for him especially because he just has a good feel for when to cut it's just having that level of engagement and conditioning to be there and move at a really good pace but i'm excited to see what happens when he fully gets back in sync I think as well because his level of spacing, because Kevin Rand has been perplexingly shooting the ball pretty horribly from the three-point line, it allows you know openings for Ben Simmons as both a driver and a passer. You know we saw the small ball version of the the Brooklyn Nets tonight, and it looked great because Royce was hitting his three, Joe was yep. hitting his three, Seth wasn't hitting his three, Utah Tanabe was hitting his yep. three. So you got three of your four spaces out there that are really hitting it, and Kyrie Irving hitting them as well. KD normally hits them. He's just been really short on a lot of them. It's just his legs seem to just not be on, on, on some of those shots, but he still was again, great for, for what he did, but it's, it's really positive signs, Nick, you know, just having things click at the right time, you know, it's the nets are uh, inching closer to 500. Hopefully we do uh, against the sixes and get a win over them. But, you know, we took care of business tonight. You know, it took a little bit longer than expected, but there was a, a lot of good promising signs. 
Yeah, I think you saw in the second half the turn up. You know, the first half they kind of were careless. Defense wasn't tight. You know, they weren't necessarily having great offense possessions, a little bit out of sync. And then that third quarter came and the fourth quarter came and then they just pulled away and handled business. And that's what you want to see, especially against a shorthanded team that was missing, you know, John Moran, Desmond Bain and Jaron Jackson Jr. You know, three of their best players and the Nets were able to say, all right. You know, these these guys across from us just aren't in the same realm tonight, and we need to make sure we get a double digit win. Yeah, seventy to fifty three in the in the second half. That was you know they really took care of business. They had a couple of nice runs, especially to start the third quarter. You know, finished the field fifty of eighty three, sixty point two, and then had a nice three point shooting night, which was not a nice one as well. Sixteen to thirty four, forty seven point one percent. So nice to see the offense start to really click. And the thing about the Grizzlies is is, is as well, they don't make things easy for you. You know, yeah. so the fact that the, the Nets were able to to keep grinding it out, you know, despite missing. A, a heap of talent they're still really solid defensively and they're still going to like make you fight for it and the fact that the Nets were able to just hang around hang around find momentum find things and then really you know take things home in the last 24 minutes you'd rather that happen than it to be the reverse so uh, positive signs yeah Nets shot over 60 percent from the field and 47 percent from three obviously huge numbers there that's something you love to see. Fast break points, 23 to 15 in favor of Memphis, but still felt like the Nets' pace was really good in this game. In terms and I of, think that started like 15 to 2 or something, Nick, or something around mm-hmm. that mark to, to to the Grizzlies, you know, in the first quarter or second quarter. And like, what were the points in the paint? The Nets getting really destroyed there at one point. I think so they, they just lost it by about 10. Yeah, they uh, lost it by 10. And that was like 20, 30 at one point, it felt like. So they were because they were able to, you know, get easier buckets for themselves and, you know, get some turnovers. Um, and you know, it just it, it led to some good things for them. So, but we should talk about Kevin Ratnick, who for the 17th straight game, you know, had 25 plus points, 36 minutes, nine of 16 from the field. Again, oh three from three, not a great uh, line from there. Eight of eight from the free throw line, seven boards, seven dimes, a steal and a block, four turnovers, and 26 point for Mr. Slim Reaper. It, it's uh, he looks sloppy at times, but he really found his rhythm come the second half. Yeah, I think he was three of eight in the first half, so that would make him six of eight in the second half. So Kevin Durant, light work. Yeah, light work. I felt like in the first half, it was just one of those games where he was kind of getting annoyed and he was letting his teammates kind of cook a little bit more. Second half game, you know, turned it up, I thought, on both ends. Also, you know, was able to grab some big boards in this game to end possessions. You know, you're always going to be happy when a guy can drop 25 points and shoot 56% from the field. So... Can we uh, like get some referees that actually call a foul yeah. on Kevin Durantney? Can, can we just like get that to happen? Because it seems to me that like every single possession they were hitting his arm on a jumper, yep. and he got called for maybe like one of them. And like the reason why he got the tech, and I think he's leading the league in techs. I got the uh, a tweet here. Yep, by Christian Winfield. Kevin Durant just surpassed Draymond, Draymond Green as the league leader in technical fouls. Fouls picked up his seventh tech, complaining about a missed foul call. After Tech 16, you get suspended for a game. He wouldn't have had any of those Techs if the referees knew how to do their freaking job because he gets fouled so relentlessly. Just because he's a jump shooter and he doesn't drive to the rim like Ja Morant or Shea Gillis-Alexander or Jason Tatum or whoever else it might be. And again, he's doing that a lot better these days, mind you. He's really driving hard and really being aggressive there. Call the freaking fouls. Do your job, refs. 
Yeah, I agree. I mean, and then even what he got called for a tech, you know, just smacking his arm. He didn't say anything crazy. At least it didn't seem that way. And in, in an, in another game, Nick, Malik Monk got called for a tech and ejected for flexing. Like, these yeah. refs are, like, soft as hell. They are soft as, like, white bread, butter, melted ice cream. Take a look in the mirror, guys. Please. This game isn't about you. We want to see the stars dominate, do their thing. Don't insert yourselves into the narrative. We're talking about greatness here with Kevin Wayne Durant, and you're trying to call a tech on him after, like, slapping his arm? Like, piss off. Sorry. Sorry. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm hating, know. I'm I, I, It's fair. I think it also just is, like, the emotion brings entertainment, and obviously, at the end of the day, the NBA is trying to be as entertaining as possible because that's drawing viewers. And when you kind of limit emotion, it limits limits some of the competitiveness too. So I think it's definitely that something that needs to be addressed. And I get it; you don't want to talk, you know, in a demeaning way to the ref, but at the same time, there has to be a level of take because, again, like you said, you're you're not the star of the show. Exactly. Nick, who should we get to next? Because there was a lot of decent three-point shooting, you know, around the mark. And even like, you know, a little bit of, you know, Seth Curry was five or 10 from the field, didn't hit a three, um, but he had a few dimes and stuff as well. He's, it's just weird how we can't get him going from three, but you know, Joe and Royce uh, were certainly. It's doing whenever their thing he's from going, there. everyone else is kind of off, and he's like carrying the load. I mean, even Markeith Morris was hitting some three yeah. balls, and uh, I thought, you know, you've been, you know, a, a critic of his, and, and rightly so for the for the game that he did, he has played. But I thought the how he was used and the minutes he was used allowed him to be impactful because seven boards in seventeen minutes for him. You know, and just sort of narrow the focus. We only need you to just be strong and be a big. Act like you are you know, a five. And he played a little bit of five in, in Lakerland uh, back in the day. But it sort of allowed him to be a bit more effective. And he wasn't like, you know, the fourth best player. Royce, Joe were were great. And, and Seth hit a, a few mid-ranges and had a nice two-man game uh, with Ben Simmons. But I like that, you know, he was able to be effective as a big man. Yeah, I thought this was easily Markeith's best game. He just had an impact, and the team needed him to step up with Claxton being out. You know, Ben usually filling in, at least recently, the backup five minutes. So Markeith coming in and, you know, like you said, attacking the boards, grabbing those two offensive boards too, knocking down a couple threes, hit the baseline jumper. You know, defensively, I thought he moved better than he has. There's obviously still room for improvement, but... You know, this is kind of what you're looking for from him. And not every single night you need Markeith Morris and you're not going to ask him to play 17 minutes. Some nights it might be five, seven, or maybe he'll start if someone's like, you know, a couple guys are out, whatever it might be. But he's he's a good vet to have, you know, available when you need him. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Yeah, exactly. And the Nets needed him tonight, and he was there. And it's a, a quality for like him and Patty. You know, Patty. You know, it was interesting to see him get minutes over Edmund Sumner. But you know, he was guarding forty-eight, uh, hundred, whatever the how how long is a basketball court, Nico? Feet. 94 feet, that's what it is. I don't know where I was getting 48 and 100. Um, but in, in saying that, you know, both of those guys sort of doing the things beyond the court and then actually having some semblance of an impact on the court is 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 a positive thing for this Nets team, You know, the sort of next man up mentality. Yeah, and I think uh, getting to Patty, it was a good spurt minutes. And I, I don't mind it. I mean, Edmund Sumner brings something, but at times you can see how he could be an issue with his lack of three-point shooting in certain lineups. And Patty does have a nice little flow with Ben Simmons and with Kyrie not up to his full workload yet. You know, he, Kyrie only played 26 minutes. Patty played about six. Those minutes easily go to Kyrie probably in the next game or whenever he's feeling back to normal. But, you know, Patty did a nice job of just – doing his job and bringing a little energy spark. And like you mentioned, you know, picking up full court and just being a pest defensively because he's not going to lock anyone down. His best chance is just kind of to annoy them. Yeah. And, you know, he can do that against the likes of, you know, Javon LaRavia and and then Roddy and and those sort of guys. You know, he's not going to be able to do it against, you know, Ja Morant or Donovan (laughs) Mitchell or whatever. So just give him a few minutes on some of the role players and, and let him have a bit of an impact. But I thought Royce did a good job tonight, Nick, of obviously his three-point shooting was out of sight. That was really nice to see him hit freaking pull-up threes. But the timing of those threes was, you know, the, the reason why, you know, because Katie didn't find his real rhythm until later in the game. But you know, Royce and, uh, especially was a big reason why the Nets were able to hang around. And again, eight assists for him. Yeah. This man loves to pass the ball. Like, you know, when he had the dime to Kyrie Irving and, and such, he didn't join passing the ball. And I think that... There's an infectious nature. Like, these guys want to pass the ball. You know, 33 assists on those 50 made field goals. You know, it, there's just a, a, another great outing for Royce O'Neill when it comes to, you know, the ball handling and playmaking for himself and others. Yeah, I think also Royce is just a guy that's going to continue to look better when he's more so, you know, the fifth scoring option. You know, he's the guy that's getting the completely wide open three point shots. You know, we've talked about before, you know, his three point shot, his release isn't super quick. So the more space he has, the better it is. And you can kind of tell it's a soft touch usually when he has that extra time. And the passing has been great. It's a lot of, you know, just an advantage created by someone else. He's getting the ball. You know, the defense is rotating. He'll find a, a Joe Harris, a, a Seth Curry or a Kevin Durant, who's who already now has an advantage to make a play. And he he's a more skilled passer than I anticipated coming in the season. And it's been really good because with the fact that he's not super aggressive from three, even though he did shoot six tonight, it allows him to still be effective because he's a connector to other pieces of the offense. So happy with the way he's playing offensively. Yeah, it's the old Shaq meme. I wasn't familiar with your game. You know, we, we were familiar enough with Royce O'Neal in so many aspects, but this passing sort of thing is not something that I think we even saw in Utah. You know, we yeah, watched I was a lot. Gonna... for him as a basketball player. Yeah, and I think it, it it's probably on like Jacques Vaughn because the Nets don't really have a prototypical point guard. You know, Ben Simmons. You know, by lack of a better term, and Kyrie Irving are those sort of point guards. But it's sort of like playmaking by committee, and you know, it's why you know Kevin Durant seven assists, you know, Royce Neal eight assists, you know, Joe Harris three, you know, Ben Simmons five, another three for Utah Watsonabe as well, and five for Seth Curry. You know, that's the sort of thing you want to see, you know, because it makes you harder to defend. You know, when you don't know who to sort of hone in on, if anyone can sort of make a play for themselves and others. Yeah, and he's also done a nice job just driving into the paint. Even sometimes it's the pass, not the score. Just making them defend and rotate. No doubt. No doubt. 
Joe Harris, Nick, it was good to see the three ball continue to be pretty effective. You know, four of seven from three, all of those three balls are four of six from there. Had three assists, a steal, and a block. You know, defensively, he's looking really solid this year. Uh, 13 points. You know, it was almost just like, I thought Joe played worse tonight, but it was because so many other players played so good. It was the reason why we sort of like have taken half an hour to speak about him. Yeah. Like, honestly, you take this game from Joe, you know, every single game of the season, if you could, you know, four of six from three solid defensively played his role, you know, didn't have any turnovers in this one. And, you know, maybe a couple fouls you don't love, but at the same time, the Nets are playing undersized and that's going to happen. So Joe starting to find his rhythm and look like the shooter we need him to be for this team to be successful. And I think it kind of gets to a point, you know, we always made the joke when the big three was here, you know, with Kyrie, James Harden and Kevin Durant, you never know who's going to drop 30 or 40 that night. With this Nets team, you kind of look at, you know, which three-point shooter is going to get hot. You know, is it going to be Seth Curry? Is it going to be Joe Harris? Is it going to be a random night of Patty Mills or Kevin Durant or Kyrie Irving? You're Now you're just looking at, like, who can cook. And there's a good chance that more than one guy is going to cook on a nightly basis. Exactly. You know, just to have greater weapons and you know, a, a fit and healthy squad. You know, a fit, healthy, and available squad is going to make the Nets much, much, much and more dangerous. And pieces that fit together, that make sense. You know, in comparison, at least to last year's team, where it was just limited options in terms of balance, where now you can kind of, all right, this guy's a plus defender, this guy's a plus offensive player, and we actually still have spacing on the floor. Exactly. So I think uh, overall, you're starting to see these guys kind of find a groove and an understanding of the style of basketball, you know, that Jacques Vaughn wants them to play and the Nets want to play. And that's a pretty big deal because the identity of this team over the course of the last year has been kind of a mystery. Yeah, exactly. Were there any other game notes, Nick, before I asked you a couple of cheeky questions to end the pod? Yeah, I think not too much. You know, obviously you'd love to see the Nets kind of pick it up a little bit more in the first half, but overall took care of business in that second half and turned it up and got the win. And hopefully it's the same thing against a shorthanded Sixers team on Tuesday. Nick, I have a question for you. Would you let Kevin Durant sign your forehead? Uh, I don't think so, but I, I wouldn't mind a Kevin Durant autograph, but not in the forehead. What about you? Look, it depends. If uh, no, no, because I, I want it, I want there to be a sense of permanence, and it's not like yeah. you know Bart when he you know he he gets the his girlfriend like he's wanted his girlfriend and he spits on his hand and blah 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 <laughs> that happens. But yeah, look, r- respect to the guy. You know, it's it's uh, I'd prefer the toaster. You know, the clay toaster. You know, I think that that'd be a little bit cooler rather than an actual body part. But you know, respect the game, respect the hustle. Uh, also, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, another thing I wanted to ask you, the White Basquiat's, the debut yeah. of them, how do they look, Nick? Yeah, they were beautiful. Uh, they, they were great. I think the warm-ups were beautiful too. Just the overall vibe with the court, it's it definitely pops. And I think you know people are saying the Basquiat's like bring out the best basketball in Barclays. Might be right. We might have to do some research on the record with last year's, oh, two years ago's Basquiat, and then we'll see what happens this season. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because... I've been doing my utter best to not give Joe Sy, you know, a, a dollar from my own account. But man, these things look so good. And you know, unless we maybe find a way to create some more merch for the for the Brooklyn Buzz, and we we might be doing some things behind the scenes with that. But man, they are they are sexy. You know, whether it's yeah. you know repping my my Aussie brethren Ben Simmons or get a Uta Watanabe, they're gonna be sold out those jerseys. So I'm, I might not be able. Well, to get they one also of those. make a ton of great like merch too, with like the hoodies and the t-shirts and the hats. I know I got some the last run around with you know the hoodies and the t-shirts. They just they just really pop and they give a, a like a little bit more. 
like styled to a team apparel rather than just like your, you know, basic like, you know, property of Brooklyn Nets or something like that. No doubt. No doubt. Um, and we did get a quote from Kevin Durant. That's something I think I'll just bring up real quick. Kevin Durant on Ben Simmons. I expect this from him. So when he plays well, I'm not going to get excited about it. That, that's that's a bit of, that's some sneaky Kevin Durant style leadership. He's just like, look, you know, you're Ben Simmons. Like you're supposed to be doing this. You're supposed to be dominating or at the very least impacting the game. You know, early points of the season, he was a net negative, you know, for, for lack of a better term, pardon the pun. Whereas now, you know, even in the, the game against Sacramento where the Nets played horrifically, he was the best player for the Nets. You know, he was impacting the, or he was one of the better players for the Nets in a pretty dark night. But overall, you know, we expect him to be continue to impact the game, continue to find that flow, continue to rebound, continue to be aggressive, and everything will take care of itself, Benny Boy. Ben 10, you know, it's it's starting to find that that form, starting to find that fluidity, as you alluded to. And uh, again, in maybe the biggest game of his career, you know, obviously outside of, you know, finals matchups and the Atlanta Hawks sort of thing, you know, the, the best regular season game of his career He's coming up against Philadelphia. He's going to have that support from Ben and Kyrie and everyone else in the organization. Hopefully he can put the noise aside and just go out there and do more of what he did tonight. Yeah, and I think a lot of it too with Ben Simmons is just kind of taking what's there. You know, just rolling to the rim when there's empty space and, you know, you know, kind of falling into the dunker spot when it's available. I think there's a place today where he just kind of slipped backwards a couple steps to open himself up for a reverse layup. And those are the things that he just wasn't doing. And it's it's just simple stuff for him to be effective, especially with this roster of players. And it's we sort of uh, the prototype and the, the the chatter around Ben Simmons the archetype before it was just like Ben Simmons will fit better than James Harden possibly could he fills a lot of defensive holes and such now James Harden you know at his peak is still a better player but Ben Simmons you sort of see as I've alluded to just the identity of this team is almost being formed at, at least the best version of their identity is two-way basketball moving the ball quickly getting out in transition rebounding playing fast and a lot of those things are the things that Ben Simmons does well yeah and I think also playing with speed defensively and like rotating and helping and doing those different things and forcing turnovers you can see how Ben's kind of gotten more comfortable with his style of defense so there's like I've mentioned earlier, there's a lot of room for him to still improve, you know, from a basketball perspective, but even athleticism perspective. And, uh, you know, we talked about the Michael Porter Jr. Uh, video you know, probably a couple of weeks ago at this point in terms of, you know, it taking a while to feel fully confident in your body. And I think when we start seeing Ben try to dunk on people, that's when I'm going to know that he's close to being 100 percent. Yeah, if you're putting a percentage on it, you know, you always like to put percentages on things. Nick, it seems to be your thing on this podcast. He's in the maybe the mid to high 80s. You know, I yep. think the, the Portland game gave me a heap of confidence because, you know, he was hitting the ground. He was diving. He was doing all the sort of gritty stuff that sort of just happens in, in the flow of a, a competitive basketball game. Whereas tonight, you know, he was just able to sort of be they're just just cool he was just out yeah. there he was just don't there was just a he didn't have to do all the the gritty stuff you know he was doing a heap of cool stuff just that ben simmons does by the nature of being ben simmons he can just be do and and and, and be a, a lot of impactful things by just who he is and the presence he provides yeah i agree jack and now it's just kind of waiting seeing how the rest of it kind of plays out moving forward nick how are you feeling i guess uh, overall because It'll be interspersed in you know how we go with these pods and stuff. But when I do get the chance here, I want to do it just a general team check in. How are you feeling about the team overall now? Eight and nine, you know, heading into a, 
a decent stretch where the Nets should get a couple more wins and then hopefully that rockets them up the standings. How are you feeling about the Nets overall right now, mate? Yeah, I think there's some optimism. You know, you're cautious, though, because you want to see it consistently over a stretch of time. You know, you look at the West Coast trip and obviously the Kings game and the Lakers game wasn't up to standards. But then, you know, against the Clippers in Portland, they showcase some really good stuff. You can see the stylistic changes from Jacques Vaughn offensively and defensively and kind of the level of communication and engagement. I think the players are buying into him more. So that's a real positive and also starting to find a style in a way to play basketball on the court consistently game to game. And now you're seeing guys unlocked and able to, able to not just rely on, you know, Kevin Durant ISOs or all of these, you know, these plays that aren't sustainable over the course of a season. And they're finding different ways to win games. And obviously Ben being healthy and trying to look like the player that we know he can be is huge. And then Kyrie Irving coming back and looking like he's ready to lock in and play basketball and fit into this team there's a there's a lot of optimism you know we still think probably there needs to be a move or two if they want to be true championship championship contenders but the core is there if these guys can hit their ceiling i said i'd end the podcast with you to what's an talking, talk and, and i will because tevin durant was asked and this is via alex schiffer if he would take utah or steph in a three-point contest right now <laughs> he voted for himself and then he said quote steph's a god but Utah's definitely knocking him down right now i'm taking you to what every day as long as you can just shoot from the corner <laughs> Just give him the corners. Just the, that's all he needs. Just give him those corners. He's the corner king. Corner king. I mean, it, it's really been awesome to see him take that step forward. And he's a guy that kind of gives you more confidence in what the Nets can do because he's a wing player that can play both sides of the basketball and have an impact, both sides. And that's been a missing piece for this team. You know, I saw someone bring up on Twitter, you know, he, he kind of reminisces with uh, Jeff Green a little bit, you know, because of just kind of the vibe that he brings and, you know, veteran con- veteran minimum guy hitting, you know, career numbers from three and just really fitting well with his team and providing versatility. And that's exactly what Watanabe is doing. Yeah, and I, I think as well, he's just... Fan favorite. <laughs> a fan, he's a fan favorite, but the combination of him, Ben, and Katie as a front court yep. might be my, my favorite trio in, in front court Brooklyn Nets history because it's everything that you love about the game, Nick. You know, it's spacing, it's defense, it's rebounding, it's athleticism. And all three of those guys have some form of that in space. And pace. You these, All the guys love to get active in transition too. And I think that's a great area, especially when you have that length, you're more likely to get those blocks, get those steals, use that wingspan and really push the basketball. And I think it, it's very positionless, you know, with those three on the floor. And it, depending on the matchup, you know, for some parts of the game, Steven Adams is out there and you got Ben Simmons on him. You know, Brandon Clark comes in the game. Katie's like, I'll take Brandon Clark. You just hop on to, you know, Tyus Jones or Dylan Brooks, wherever you want, Ben. Yeah, the the defensive communication has been a lot better, you know, on the yep. switches. And, and it seems to me that everyone's wanting to defend a, a little bit more. And, and that buying Jacques Vaughn deserves a lot of credit. I was said I was going to end with Utah Watanabe. I might throw a little bit of a Ben Simmons one out there because at Jerry Sign Nets, uh, threw up a clip of Ben Simmons being asked about Philadelphia. He made a little bit of a face, uh, a little bit of like a, a sort of jokey, memey face, which was uh, kind of funny. And he said, Philly fans are incredible. They're diehard fans. Um, it's it's it, the, the hype for this game is going to be the time. Like if Twitter isn't broken, if Elon Musk doesn't break this, the dumb platform that we know and love, Nick, um, it's going to be interesting it's gonna be interesting it'll be interesting too is because last year when the nets rolled up in philadelphia they cooked the sixers they cooked them 
like barbecue chicken to the highest extent on the grill in a summer, you know, barbecue. And you, you wonder what's going to happen. Obviously Philly is missing, you know, Tyrese Maxey and James Harden this upcoming matchup, but looks like Joel Embiid's going to be healthy and playing. And there's a lot of bad blood and it's interesting to see the level of competitiveness we'll see in a game in you know, late November. Yeah. And the Nets didn't have you Watanabe last year either. <laughs> yeah, they didn't. <laughs> So, I mean, like you mentioned earlier, too, and it's great that Ben's already had a quote unquote big game now going into a, a huge narrative game for himself. Big time. It's going to be a big game for Netsworld, Nick. Exactly. All right, Jack, as always, a pleasure. And big thanks everybody for listening. And check the buzz on all stream platforms. Whether you're a world class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well being and proper recovery for top notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.